want to talk to you about servanthood, uh, especially now as this COVID starts to um, lessen where we'll be able to gather more and more, which we certainly will in the months ahead. Um, a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to be serving as they should in the Lord, and maybe some are considering that. Uh, so I want to talk about some principles of a servant tonight. Uh, let's start with Philemon. Uh, it's only got one chapter. And in uh, chapter 1 here, verses 10 and 11, Paul is speaking. And he says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I fathered in my imprisonment, who previously was useless to you, but now is both useful both to you and to me. Philemon's an interesting letter. It's the only personal letter of Paul that has survived. All his other letters are to the local churches. Philemon's a personal letter. And um, he mentions here Onesimus, a runaway slave, a thief, that he had led to Christ during his imprisonment. Uh, we don't know how he meets Paul, but he is successful in getting him to walk with God. And oddly enough, his name Onesimus means useful. Uh, Paul probably has his name here as a pun, uh, because now as a Christian, he who was useless is now useful. Not a name only, but useful by nature. And that's the important doctrine we can pick up here uh, to hold on to. It's a principle, and it's that all Christians are useful in the kingdom of God. We really need to get that. Every one of us has a usefulness. And one is not superior to another. Uh, Christ makes us useful. Any service in the kingdom of God is useful. Uh, one lie of the devil is that um, you're not useful to God or his church. Believers need to know this. They are needed. Others need you. And also you need others. We are all useful in the kingdom of God. Uh, in Romans chapter 7 verse 6. It says we should serve in the newness of the spirit. Not in the intellect of our minds, the hard sweat of our brow, but there's a spiritual empowerment coming upon us to serve in the kingdom of God as only a believer can serve. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're prepared by God for good works, and we need to walk in these good works. So we're, when we are, have given our life to Christ and become born again, we become useful. We're expected to walk in good works. We're expected to serve in the kingdom of God. We're called to a life of service. This is a uh, foundational one-on-one -on -one principle of who a Christian is, a servant of the Lord. That's one of the nicest titles you could give someone. This is a servant of the Lord. And uh, that's a very important concept. This is one of the purposes of the church. One of the purposes of the church is service. And the believer is a servant in that service of the church. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us uh, that our adequacy, our sufficiency to serve comes from God. He approves us as qualified servants. Men are always impressed by outward abilities that others have, who's the best looking, who's the best educated, who's got the right connections. God's not impressed with that stuff. The world receives others by how good they look in their sight, but Father God looks at the nature of the servant that he's given us. We have a nature to serve. 
and we are inherently qualified by him. The church, therefore, must embrace. Who God calls, we must accept. And uh, in John chapter 15 here, uh, in verses 1 to 8, we have Jesus speaking about bearing fruit. And he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dried up, and gathered up to be thrown them away into the fire and are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me by being my disciples. Excellent set of scriptures from Jesus' words on servanthood and the bearing of fruit, that important doctrine in the Word of God. Note here, we're expected to bear fruit. We're expected. We didn't get saved and all of a sudden poof, we're off in heaven. No, we got saved and live a life here on this earth. And as long as we're on this earth, why are we here? We're here to serve and to bear fruit. Uh, verse 5 here, Jesus tells us that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing of value in the kingdom of God. That means we need to be connected to him in all the service that we do. Our fruit is not related to our natural talents alone but infused by the nature he gives to us. And here in verse 8, he tells us the Father is glorified. Wow! As we bear fruit, but not little fruit, much fruit. If we are to be his disciples, think about that. He wants us to bear much fruit as his disciples. So what does, I don't know if you're hearing horns right now, they're blasting horns outside, I have no idea why. <sighs> Why tonight? All right. So what does a believer do from the day he receives Christ till the day he goes into the presence of the Lord? He bears much fruit. So what is our purpose in life? To know him, to love him, and to bear fruit for him. Have you ever considered that? You don't have to go to some swami in a diaper sitting on a hill and ask him what's the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to know him to love him, and to bear fruit for him. Wow. That's amazing. So if we're saying we love him, but we don't bear fruit for him, how are we saying we love him? Amazing. So let's take a look at this tonight now, the principles of a servant. A true servant of God, we need to realize, is a principled person. All that is done is done through principles. All uh, is well in thought and in regards to having a purpose to it. Things are thought out with purpose. And what we do, if it doesn't have a purpose in the kingdom of God, drop it. It's a distraction from your service. Now we have an American problem, the American Christian conflict. My life belongs to me. My time, my wants, my desires, my comfort. No, you belong to God. You're now his servant. 
Your life and your times aren't yours anymore. You belong to him. So this becomes a very personal issue between us and God, that the distractions of life don't rob us from our service for him and the fruit we're called to bear. Now, no man can judge you in this area. You must judge yourself. So don't go pointing fingers at other people how they spend their time. Because when you point one finger at someone else, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. So you don't want to do that. We all have distractions in life. We all have selfish areas of life. We must judge ourselves properly. That's something that's important to do. So the first principle, I have four principles. The first principle we have as a servant is to choose to be a servant. And this first and foremost speaks of our attitude. There's an old saying, your attitude determines your altitude in the kingdom. Where are you going in the kingdom of God in service? It's determined by the attitude you have. For example, John the Baptist in John chapter 30, uh, John chapter 3, verse 30, sorry. I do know my Bible. John 3, 30, where John says he must increase and I must decrease. That's an attitude John had about his place in the kingdom. In Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45, we have the time to look at that. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles domineering over them, over them, domineer over them, but their people in high position exercise authority over them. But this is not the way with you. Rather, whoever wants to be prominent among you must be the servant of all. And whoever wants to be first among you shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our point here is the servant of all. That needs to be our attitude. We need to choose to be a servant. How low will you go by your own choice is how high you will rise in the kingdom of God. So this principle also, uh, choosing to be a servant, has other implications. No task is beneath us. A lot of people won't do certain things because they think it's beneath them to do it. No task is beneath you. Uh, teachableness is important if you're a servant. Servants need to be teachable. Uh, a willingness to contribute and a willingness to receive correction from anyone. How about that? A willingness to receive correction from anyone is important. If you're a servant, it's only going to make you a better servant. A lot of people are not willing to receive correction from anyone. The only servant God can use, therefore, we find is a humble and teachable one. This has to be a requirement, and it has been a requirement from God for centuries. It hasn't changed. So we choose to be a servant. We choose to lower ourselves, not exalt ourselves. Second principle, now that we've chosen to be a servant, we have to live like a servant. Uh, Jesus is called in Scripture the bondservant in the book of Philippians. Paul calls himself a bondservant in the book of Romans. Paul calls his fellow workers bondservants in the book of Colossians. We are expected to follow Jesus' example as a bondservant. Now, remember I said a few minutes ago, our life doesn't belong to ourselves anymore? A bondservant, doulos, D-O-U-L-O-U-S in the Greek, means someone who has given himself completely 
to the will of another, not by a slave of force, but by a slave of choice. For I choose, Lord, to be your slave. I choose to be the slave of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow, that's not an American idea. So if we live as servants, here's some suggestions, three brief suggestions. First of all, be obedient. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, I'm sure you've heard this. Samuel said, does the Lord have much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. So we need here to be a group that are quick to obey. If we don't serve, we are disobedient to the master who calls us to bear fruit. It's our nature to bear fruit. Therefore, we're not being true to our own nature. So, you know, so many won't serve and obey him. It's been said 80% of the uh, work is done by 20% of the people. That shouldn't be. So back to American Christianity here. What can God do for me? What can the church do for me? What can God and church do? Well, they'll give you an opportunity to serve. But that's what they can do. Another American issue is self-centered obedience. That's an odd statement. They serve, but for the wrong reasons. They serve because it makes them feel good to serve. Or they serve out of convenience for themselves. But when they're put under pressure due to their service, or when it costs them something to serve, they quit. It doesn't feel good anymore. That's not obedient service. That's a self-centered service. And for the wrong reasons. Another point here under uh, living as a servant, we want to look to serve. Servants are doers. They see a need and they meet it. Servants look attentively for places to serve. There's many ways to serve. Generally, you have tasks versus people. There's tasks behind the scene and service directly to people. And that's based on the shape how God has put you together spiritually. So you need to learn to find out what your shape is. Are you better working with people one-on-one or behind the scene in tasks? The key is knowing your shape, knowing how you're put together, and all service is good. And the third point here under living like a servant is to be content in where you serve. In um, 2 Corinthians here, chapter 10, verse 12, Paul says, We do not presume to rank or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves, compare themselves with themselves, they have no understanding. It's very important that we don't get impressed with ourselves. It's very important that um, we choose to be a servant and live like one. And not being uh, out of contentment of where we think we should be by now. But rather serving the Lord in contentment. Third principle here. We could spend a whole bunch of time on that. Third principle here is now be a servant of character. Don't be a character, but be a servant of character. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is more desirable than wealth. Favor, better than silver and gold. A good name is more desirable than great wealth. A good name means good character. Uh, that says a lot. We should have learned from looking at politicians over the decades. Character matters. Don't be a character. Uh, look for a, a man of character, a woman of character to serve. 
We need to grow in character in the maturity of our service. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I'll just give these as bullet points here. Servants stay out of strife. Servants stay out of competition with each other. You know, it's shocking to see in some churches how Christian workers are so rude towards other Christian workers, so inconsiderate. Get out of my way. My ministry is coming through. And they just knock people over expecting everyone to serve their ministry because it's more important than theirs. Wow, man, this is not what Christ did for us here. You know, that's not character at all. Backbiting is another issue. Servants stay out of backbiting. Promoting self. Servants stay out of promoting self. Uh, so poor character will disqualify our service. Character does matter. So here we want to choose to be a servant, live like a servant, be a servant of character. And my fourth point here is be a faithful servant. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, a faithful person will abound with blessings. But he who hurries to be rich will not go unpunished. So it's the first part of the verse we want to look at. But he, a faithful person will abound with blessings. You know, it's true. God honors faithfulness. He really, really does. It's one of the finest characters of a servant that we could uh, highlight. The character of being uh, one that is faithful. Uh, let me give you some key points here that fits in. Don't seek a position. A lot of people try to do that. Rather, seek responsibility and be faithful to what you're responsible for. Because God watches for faithfulness. That's all that matters on the proverb above here. A faithful person will abound with blessings. Our motivation in faithfulness should just be that we give total pleasure to our master. He is the one that we can trust. Uh, do we recognize other servants? Of course we do. We want to be encouraged by their model, imitate their model of servanthood. Sure, absolutely. We want to honor them. But our service is to the Lord being faithful to him. And faithfulness is usually measured in T-I-M-E, in time. Um, and faithfulness, it should never be a motive of ours to work ourselves up the ranks. But look to God for promotion. Rather, look, look for more responsibility. That'll get you promoted fast. And be faithful in it. As I said early, earlier, be content where you serve. It's a faithfulness issue. And let's just quickly look at two quick verses, just in case you have felt forgotten. You're thinking, uh, gosh, has God forgotten me in my service? Paul reminds us here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not be discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. No one knows what due time is, and obviously its enemy is weariness. Sometimes when the people are at their weariest, weariest, most weary, uh, they are ready for a great move in their lives, and the enemy's trying to knock them out. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Love this. For God is not so unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name and by having served and by still serving the saints, the holy ones, you and me, we're holy ones in God's eyes. And we desire that each of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith 
and endurance inherit the promises. We need to be encouraged here by God's word tonight that um, he knows how to promote those that are of him. And we need to just leave the details in his eyes and just keep our eye on faithfulness in servanthood. Certainly in my own personal life, there have been suddenly appointments because I believe God saw faithfulness. That's something to remember. God honors faithfulness. And I could have many examples of that in the natural and in the Lord's church. Uh, that's one of the greatest compliments you could give someone. Wow, they're faithful. Uh, Why well, you can wear that man like a badge. I know you don't want to, you don't intend to, but you could because uh, you refresh the body of Christ. Faithful people refresh the body of Christ. They bring us continuity and stability. Uh, it's a, a gift that we don't see a lot today in, in, in the American theology of churches. We need faithful people. Uh, most of most church leaders in so many churches just come and go after so many years. And faithfulness, you wonder where it's at. Our own local church has not been that way. People serve and serve the Lord until the Lord would say different. Uh, and they've been here for decades at times, just serving him, because this is our place to advance the kingdom of God at this local assembly. It's amazing. There are men and women of faithfulness that I could count dozens of them. They just amaze me. I should have shut the, the house phone off. Okay, I hear it ringing. So bringing this to a conclusion here today, um, don't need to say a lot, but you can get the point here. It says it all that we need to choose to serve. We need uh, to be uh, living like servants. We need to be uh, servants of character and we need to be faithful servants. Heaven will one day reward based on our service here, what we've done in the body. We will give an account of what we've been entrusted with. The duty of service entrusted to us will give an account for. And there are rewards in eternity for that. And that's probably beyond our comprehension, this side of heaven, of how great they are and how important they are. But even though we can't comprehend them this side of heaven, we accept oh, we're going to want them in eternity for whatever reason the Lord would have. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22, let's try that one again. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. It says, I love this scripture. Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure people. Why? He is skillful in his service. How? He's a servant of character and who is faithful. And he will never serve in obscurity in the eyes of heaven. That's an amazing thought. He's not obscure in the eyes of heaven. Wow. How does God count that? I don't know. But he takes notice. He takes notice. He takes notice. Don't care if men see me. Don't need a name known among men. As long as I have a name known in heaven. Isn't that all that matters? So, Father God is speaking to us all as believers to serve. Are we hearing him, though, in regard to how we serve? There's always many opportunities to serve. So, where does your heart tick? Where your heart ticks, go serve there. If your heart ticks towards children, go serve with children. If your heart ticks towards uh, uh, behind the scenes, I, I know people that love to clean up. They just love to clean up. Got to get them to my house. They just love to clean up. 
hey, there's always a lot to clean. Other people just love to uh, manage things. They have skills in that area. Love to just uh, serve other people with food, for example, in the food pantry. Wow, serve. What makes your heart tick? You're going to gravitate towards that in your service in the kingdom. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 3 here, as we close in verse 10, Then the Lord came and stood as the other times and said, Samuel, Samuel. And the Lord said, Speak, for your servant is listening. We read earlier, um, oh, I didn't, didn't I, I took that scripture out. Samuel couldn't trust uh, Saul for his lack of uh, disobedience. Can God trust us? Will we respond when he is calling your name? Or we kind of like put that aside. I don't, I don't think I want to hear this today. It doesn't help me. Where will we um, give away our lives? That men won't notice, but God will notice. Where? I hope we think about this and plan this way. We got a fairly new year here. We got to plan this way of how I will be a servant of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, yes, speak. Your servant is listening. That Lord God, we realize everyone uh, that would hear this it, that's a believer has value in the kingdom of God, value in their service in the kingdom. And we thank you, Lord God, that um, you would bring us uh, light and direction by your spirit, that we would know, Lord God, how to serve effectively, Father, to honor you. That, Lord God, um, we would bear much fruit and so prove to be your disciples. Fruit that continues from one generation to another, where other generations ahead of us will live off of our fruit. Thank you, Lord God, for that. We would leave it behind. And that would be our testimony, Father God, our legacy, as those who have left fruit in the kingdom of God. And we thank you, Father, you would so honor us to co-labor in your field. Thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.